You're listening to the State of Love and Trust, a Pearl Jam podcast. Follow the show on social media and remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice. Now, here's Jason and Paul. Welcome, everyone, to that episode of The State of Love and Trust. It's a Pearl Jam podcast, and I'm one of your two hosts, Jason Carapesi, and alongside me, as always, is Paul Guglieri. Ah, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Oh, man. It's another one of those fresh Anderson Valley winter solstices. From my fridge. I noticed you don't have one, Paul. And I was going to say, how is your Thanksgiving and Thanksgiving weekend going? But I can hear it's not great. Oh, my. I have been fighting off and fighting with something fierce. So I I have not had anything of the like for uh, almost a week at this point. So I I am missing and craving the uh, delicious, festive uh, libations from anderson valley unfortunately uh, agua for me i don't i don't even have where's that. your tincture i gotta go make one of those two you, every time we we would do these and we you'd be coughing or sneeze up a storm yeah you have a, a homemade tincture that you'd be like on those four of the day yeah i know what are you putting there again i put uh apple cider vinegar mm-hmm. with the mother yeah uh do some honey a little bit of turmeric some ginger Got to have some some freshly squeezed lemon. Lemon, yep. Yeah, you want some some, some hot water as well. It's basically um, like a, I guess like a hot toddy on steroids without the booze. Yeah, basically. I mean, it you know it's got all these uh, anti-inflammatory, anti-inflammatory yeah. properties. And it's supposed to. Uh, it helps. It does. But whatever I contracted this time, just uh, <laughs> well, we're gonna do our been best. A beast. To all of you out there, we hope your Thanksgiving was great. But it is now officially. Christmas season. It is. December, Uh, here we are. You know, I always tell my wife, I go, we are not putting up any decorations. We're not getting the tree. We're not singing any Christmas songs until Thanksgiving is over. Let's give it its time to shine. You know? Uh, you know, I guess it, it seems like (gasps) a lot of hoopla for, for, for just a day to sit down and have this gorge yourself on a meal. Uh, look, I'm not one of those people that's, Hey, a week before Halloween, let's just, you know, lather our store and christmas already I, I think that level of commercialism is over the top that to me that that that's uh you know the the, the manifestation of what eddie was talking about with corduroy you know what i mean it's like, <laughs> but always uh, steering it back to pearl jam huh. you're, you're, to. you're the you're the uh the, the the guiding ship of this podcast um so this week we'll keep it a little tight because Paul's not feeling well, but we do have a really cool uh, main topic. We've been doing this like deconstruction of a song series where we've spoken about our favorite um, intros or outros, or whatever. We're doing choruses today. What I've noticed, Paul, in doing my little research for this is that there are a lot of songs in the catalog that don't have like what would you consider a a proper chorus, chord. a yeah. refrain, right? Like yeah. it gets to an apex and then comes back down again, and, and then it it might repeat that song structure, but like the words are different, and then it goes into a different thing after that chorus thing. So, of these songs that had their you know what we would consider a proper chorus, 
there was still a lot and my my short list was a long list and then it became a shorter list than long and then it became my top five which by the way it the songs i'm leaving off i feel like are tremendous this is one of the harder ones i've had to do i don't know how you feel about it uh it, it was definitely a challenge i'll give you that much how do you whittle it down to the five was that hard for you um you know, I, I, I'm just thinking of what it's like to be in a crowd at a Pearl Jam show. It's really yeah. hard to do this exercise if you've never seen it live, because there's something about everybody singing the chorus at the same time that makes you feel, you know, the real vitality of that chorus. So that helped as an equalizer. I like that. I like that as a. Um... It's a colorful way to kind of add an extra, I guess if you had like a tie break, for example, be like, how does this translate? How do, what's the experience like? Yeah. That would, be the extra, that would push you over the edge. I like that. Okay. Well, let's get into it then. No more blabberty blub. Actually, no, there's no more, little more blabberty blub. It is thank you to the listeners. Thank you to the patrons. Thank you to those who buy shirts. Thank you to those who feed the algorithm. All that jazz. We appreciate oh, it. It is hungry this time of year, Jason. Oh, man. I was just talking about Thanksgiving, Anthony. I, it, it, I know, but it's it, it's like a Yeti that comes out of a snowy <laughs> cave and haunts us in our dreams. <laughs> Me, at least. I'm telling you. And, and you cannot feed this sucker with candy canes. Feed the algorithm by rating, reviewing, and subscribing on your podcast platform of choice. The podcast Yeti. <laughs> every year there's something new all right so top five choruses in the pearl jam catalog oh mama do you want to start us off uh yeah i'm gonna go even flow I think Even Flow is uh, one of those songs that in the early infants, infant, uh, infancy stages, I should say, of uh, Pearl Jam's career, you know, this was kind of that iconic, uh, you know, dare I say, like, like frat boy chorus, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? It was, it was literally the chorus tailor-made for a, a huge generation of young men who had no idea what it was they were singing about. And... <laughs> Uh, in a lot of ways, it was like, uh, you know, Born in the USA by Springsteen. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Anyway, d totally different context, but still <laughs> similar in the sense that that there's an irony in not really understanding the the undertones and the real message of a song. And uh, you, you had a lot of uh, very, very fortunate young men singing about the very, very far less fortunate yeah. men and women. In any case, this chorus to me, it, uh, it it was a, a rallying cry, I think, at a Pearl Jam concert. I mean, you had the entire auditorium or venue at the time. You know, they weren't they, they weren't quite uh, as big as they. I mean, they were huge. I think, obviously, in the early nineties, but even early on, I think this this chorus was was pretty epic. Well, this um, you know, Alive was the first single, but I think Even Flow was the first song to kind of like catch on really big at the show People right it, it did and the the chorus i think was was that that thread that really tied a lot of the audience members together it was it was a song that garnered a lot of air, uh, radio play we had the accompanying video which of course featured pearl jam live playing the song to to a crowd of people um you think at some of these lines so you know thoughts arrive like butterflies 
uh, he chases them away. Uh, this idea that they they just flutter in, and mm. uh, you, you almost can't capture them. You know what I mean? That they're yeah. they're, they're so so delicate and uh, wispy and hard to capture. Someday, yet he'll begin his life again, life again, life again. Um, I don't know. There, there's something very wistful about this chorus, and uh, in a different context, I think uh, it's a it's, it's a really interesting chorus to sing, even in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> and and how about the uh, the punctuation at the end of the do 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 and the jump, you know. Musically, it was great. So I, I love the choice. I love the choice. Uh, number five for me is going to be Dissident. Man, that vocal delivery from Ed on this one is vintage. Yeah, it is just Ed at the top of his game, the height of his powers, yada, 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 fill in the blank. But the key for me is how this chorus is foreshadowed by the top of the song. Like You kind of get the music before you get to the the, the vocal delivery on top of the music. So you got to get a little taste there. So it kind of, it kind of spells, or it fills in the blank that you got at the beginning, right? It finishes yeah. the story in, in a sense. Uh, and then you got Mike's lead line as this melody. And then it's also... The melody in the chorus, like are there dueling melodies with Ed's vocals? It's like this really cool dynamic thing, and it's just really powerful. It's this emotive chorus, uh, which is my favorite aspect or style of Pearl Jam is the big emotive, powerful th- stuff, which is kind of why I really enjoy most of the early stuff over some of the later stuff. But some of the later stuff has that elements, and those are generally my favorite songs. Uh, yeah. So that for me, dissident has always, I mean, the bridge and distance is my favorite parts of music, but um, that chorus always felt really big to me, even if the song as a whole maybe didn't um, achieve the heights of some other songs. I don't know how, how you feel about Dissident, but I think, I think it's a great choice. Uh, I, for me, that that chorus always stood out. It is a very underrated song on that record. When I first heard Verses, it was uh, among, among my favorites, actually. Mm. And I think... Uh, uh, for reasons for that, I think dissidents chorus chief among them. Yeah. Well, number four, getting uh, tougher for me. Yeah, you know, I'm going to binaural here, and wherever you've oh. gone, wherever we might go, it don't seem fair. Today just disappeared. Your lights reflected now, reflected from afar. We were but stones. Your light made us stars. Very light much. years, my friend. It's a great, great chorus. It's one of those songs that, uh, you know, Eddie once <laughs> remarked in an interview how he just didn't understand why nobody bought that record. Um, those that did buy that record, I think, looked at this song as uh, just one of, one of the, the better examples of a, of a mid or a down-tempo Pearl Jam song. Um, it's a beautiful chorus. I think, uh, it, it to me, it's one of those moments, of the, a couple of moments on the records that truly seem to reflect the album art in a lot of ways that, that, mm, that yes. cosmic euphoria. And, uh, for me that this, this set of lyrics right here and the music 
just layered over the top of it. Great example of a kind of poppy Pearl Jam course. It's not a preeminent example. I think that I've got another another one to cite later, but this is definitely a good one. I love it. It's a good choice. Uh, it was one I considered very heavily. I've always thought the song was underrated. Um, I think, you know, Stone with the music and the lyrics and the way the band comes together in this one is fantastic. And it yeah. it's one of those, you know, it's a, it's a chorus, but it's one of those that kind of builds in a way that doesn't feel like a, like a traditional chorus. Um, maybe that's why it's so great. I don't know, but great choice. I'm going to go at number four from the same album. I'm going with insignificance. Oh. You've got this kind of racing down a hillside drum beat. You've got this descending guitar chord pattern. Uh, maybe my favorite part is Jeff's somewhat staccato bass playing. And I think it really amplifies this idea that we're kind of falling like the bombs Ed is singing about. And this song, again, like Light Years for me on this record is very, and listen, I'm a big binaural fan. I know not everybody yes, is. I think this song is underrated. I think primarily because of this chorus. I can't play it on guitar, and it's very simple, but the way that it's arranged, your hand never has to move, but you get all these different um, chord voicings to get that downward progression, kind of like what you might hear from the bomb dropping down and then Jeff going bup, 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 instead of just the bum, 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 bum. And it's just really, really cool. The fact that they chose this to be basically their outro as well is very telling for me. Um, I, I think it's the strongest part of maybe the strongest song on the record. Uh, and I've always really liked it. I felt like, you know, people talk about Ed maybe sounding a little less interested on this record and maybe right. act a little bit too. Um, but this one for me, he sounds quite interested and I think it comes through. Solid choice. Number three, going to, uh, no code here. Ooh. What do we got? Yeah, you can spend your time alone redigesting past regrets, or you can come to terms and realize you're the only one who can't forgive yourself. Yeah, makes much more sense to live in the present tense. something about this chorus that it, it ignites a crowd in a lot of ways uh there's nobody at a pearl jam show that's not singing these lyrics and uh i just feel like it's one of those few moments where you have a chorus where the music can almost come to a grinding halt with the exception of maybe mike's guitar subtly in the background and then eventually just sawing through us later and uh 
we get this positive affirmation. We get this wonderful mantra of what it means to live in the present tense and how important it is and how we shackle ourselves sometimes to our own regrets and, and it's our inability to cope with and process our past that ultimately governs our ability to move forward and uh i think this song is it's it's it continues to be continues to make a very very salient point but more importantly than that i think uh it's quite an iconic chorus off that album i think if you ask me to pick a chorus off no code that's the one that stands out the most i had heavily considered um another song off that record uh and I thought that maybe it was the most iconic chorus on that album. This chorus is again one of those more, I should say, one of those less traditional courses in that it it it's just it's it's part of it's a similar progression to the the main riff, and, and then the chords come in, and so it's just a, a little bit augmented, but the vocal stylings are kind of just a uh, an amped up version of what we were getting preceding that, and for a long time. I feel like the live version of this didn't it was more closely it was more close to the album version and the album version is I think a bit more subdued whereas maybe maybe it's since that Letterman performance in 2006 it's found a new life and it's become a little bit more powerful it's kind of grown exponentially in, in its in its um uh intensity and so you get now that second time around to this chorus, I think Ed goes up um, an octave in how he sings. He's kind of really breaching as opposed to staying in that lower baritone. And it's found new life. And I think it's absolutely tremendous. And I don't think the last dance heard it one bit. So it's a great choice. For my third, I'm going to go uh, from Avocado. Oh. And I'm going to go with Life Wasted. So for me, yeah, okay, fine, sure. It's obvious. It's sure it's one of their, you know, more stock chord progressions, straight ahead rock and roll chorus stuff. Okay, I hear you. But here's the thing. I think they do it better here, don't kill me, than Alive. Wow. Alive is the Pearl Jam chorus, right? That It's the yeah. apex of the live Pearl Jam experience, right? Excluding, of course, the face melting so that Mike delivers right after that last chorus. But the Alive chorus, while great, is very, very simple. Its simplicity works for that song. Sometimes I want the chorus to be more than just the exclamation point to the sentence that is the preceding verse. I need it to take me to the next level. And I think Life Wasted's chorus does that. I think other songs that do this really well are I Got Id in hiding but neither could crack the top five though excellent in their own right but much like alive too life wastes chorus is it's sort of a microcosm of the rest of the album it's a marker this chorus is just i think less ambiguous and for that i feel it's a little bit more direct and i like that fact um especially coming at the front of the record so listen alive chorus tremendous but it's the same thing said four times. It's very simple. 
And while it's so big, I don't know that it's as great as it preceding the, the guitar solo. Without the guitar solo, it's a it's a really good chorus, but it's so great because it leads into a great guitar solo. Whereas I think this one, Life Waste's chorus, can kind of live on its own. Are you shaking your head at me? No, I I, I like it. I do. I agree with you. I, I think it. You know what? Alive is my number one. I think that I'll just let that out of the bag now. To me, it's just it's it's that moment that just carries a show in a lot of ways. (laughs) My number two choice, I think, runs a close second to it, though. Go for it. Uh, Better man. I think that that uh, chorus is it's as poppy as it gets it's so poppy in fact that they neglected wanting to put it on a record for quite a while um but hey you know here we are and i think that so again it's one of those songs that you know acapella the whole crowd can just sing the chorus and, and love it um it's a it's a beautiful chorus i think it captures the song and it's very heartfelt and yeah just a great great pearl jam chorus iconic well, you, you let the cut out of your bag for your number one. Uh, yeah. I guess I'll give you my 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 last two here. Um, number two for me is "Given to Fly." It doesn't get much more anthemic than this for me. And yes, I know I already spoke about Alive a minute ago, but this is what we talk about when we talk about apexes to a song. This is the ultimate, we've been lifted up to the highest heights of the song and it feels glorious moment. No song does a better job of finding that soaring moment in its chorus for me than this one. And you really feel like you're within the song when they get there, like you're like you're the one flying that Ed's singing about. The studio version is great, but the live performances, to your point, bring it to another level. And, and with, with with the help of the crowd, propel this to even greater heights. It's really something to behold. So much so that when we talked about um, Nikki Six talking about Pearl Jam being boring, what did Pearl Jam do? They tweeted a live version of Given the Flies Chorus as the not boring uh, you know, troll sarcastic post back to them. So I think, listen, better man's a great choice. It's, it's a, it's a really, most people listening right now are gonna be like, yeah, better man, hundred percent. It's not my number one. It's not my number two, three or four or five. Wow. It's right there. And this is why I said it was so hard because I got like six here that I'm like, fuck, how do I not get these in here? Yeah. Um, number one for me is once. Oh, fascinating. Okay. Once, 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 
I've mentioned power, anthem, emotion, singing delivery, grooves, directness, melody, and apexes. This song combines all of them into what I think is the greatest chorus they've ever put together once. The, the story's conclusion, or at least this act of the story, is as poetically sung as any in the catalog. It, it couldn't be done any better. Once upon a time, I could love you. I mean, that line in the last go-around after the preceding, I could control myself, I could lose myself, it's perfect. The groove is right. The, right is the right fit. It's the right tempo. Just bass swings from chord to chord like you're being swung back and forth through a hairpin turns by an F1 driver. You know, you got Stone and Mike complimenting each other and creating the perfect backdrop for Ed to be the best version of Ed, in my opinion. In a very, very, very hard exercise, once, for me, takes every possible box of what a chorus really should be. Well, hey, you know what? By those metrics, how can I argue? You you, you could, and we can just <laughs> argue all day long. Listen, Alive, obviously iconic. How, how do you argue with that? Better Man, iconic. How do you argue with that? I'll tell you. Some of the other ones that were like right there that were bugging me that I didn't have men. I mentioned I got id. Uh, Jeremy. I mean, come on. Uh, I had Garden in there, but I think Garden is actually the post-chorus is what's what makes that song great, not necessarily the chorus. Um, that swinging riff thing. You've got Animal. You've got Daughter. You've got Leash. Indifference. Um, hell, even even undone has a great chorus I, there are so many really really good ones i'm curious if you had any uh sitting by the wayside sitting there in the sixth seventh eighth position um i mean i i i had last exit in here interesting uh i'd given the fly um i had uh what did i have off lightning bolt um she comes on like a stone and you oh. don't know where from oh. she, okay uh, no, or sorry, uh, Gigaton. I had Dance the Clairvoyance, actually. I, I consider that, that one, a, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. thought that was a great, great chorus. This was tough, man. And uh, listen, people like to... I, I always say, you know, comment below. And people comment below. And oftentimes they side with you. And you know what? I don't take it personally. I don't go home and cry <laughs> about it. That's fine. <laughs> people are probably going to side with you here because better, man. And alive, present tense. I get it, everybody. Fine. You want to agree with Paul? That's cool. But listen, I'm I'm offering you an alternative take from our favorite alternative band. So just go ahead and and let these five choruses wash all over you. Comment below. What are your favorite choruses? What are your favorite choruses? That's the most important thing is we want to know your five favorite choruses. And yes, it will be difficult to do. While you guys ruminate on that, we will move on to our lyric of the week. All right, Lyric of the Week this week. Hey, we're going to go back to Gigaton because we can now. Yeah. <laughs> and we're going with Buckle Up. The drapes pull back and reveal her wound. A boy on her lap, a murderer
so this is the second verse from Buckle Up. What I mean, you go tell me what tell me what this is all about because I had a hard time for a long time. You know, man, uh, this song seems to waver between that acknowledgement of a Hippocratic oath, you know, where you're trying to exist in a world where there's so much turmoil and disease and, and upheaval attributed to sickness. We're living in a unique era where uh, we're not used to reading about how hospitals are overflowing and, you know, people are being moved out of beds and into tents, makeshift tents and parking lots. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, you know, I, I think that it's, it's quite a story for those who have worked in the medical profession and, and this ordeal is something they'll, they'll never forget. And tragically, many of them suffered <laughs> physically, mentally, and emotionally in ways that are, um, untold. Um, and, and I feel like a song like buckle up tries to, in some ways capture that feeling. I think an argument could be made that the song, the song in some ways is about, uh, you know, <clears throat> is about uh, what it's like to, to work in that field at a time when there's so, so much um, death and sickness around you. You know what I mean? It's, mm. it's not the, bu- the bubonic plague or, or something like that. We're not living in the dark ages, but at the same time, I, I just think that there's not necessarily a new reverence for those who have worked to try to take care of us, but there's a greater understanding, awareness, and appreciation for it. Uh, the, the drapes pull back, reveal her wound, her boy in her lap, her murderer groomed, antiquities lost, lost to the Nile, a sudden slip, a fall on the time, firstly do no harm, then put your seatbelt on. It, part of this is like, you know, buckling up for what's going to be a bumpy night, you know, where, where there's going to be hopefully some lives saved and, and many lives lost. But <laughs> an argument could be made that there's a, um, uh, a, pr- a you know, a, a a debate about pro-life and pro-choice happening in the song. Mm. And I think that, uh, it's, it's interesting. The line lost to, to the Nile lost to denial, like D E N I A L. Yeah. That's a good show. I think, uh, that's what I thought he was singing when I first heard it, actually. Um, a fall on the time. Firstly, do no harm. Then put your seatbelt on. It's like, uh, sometimes I wonder if this song, seems to you know her boy on her lap a murderer groomed yeah i got thoughts it's, on that <laughs> you know it's uh there's just some interesting uh, you know it, it's not as opaque as as a lot of and obtuse is what a lot of uh, maybe obtuse is the wrong word but it's not as vague as some of the stuff jeff writes but i do think that in in this particular instance a song like buckle up seems to to paint a, it, this expressionistic collage if you were or uh, a series of almost vignettes that seem to be painting a picture of of somebody working in a clinic like this and um the emotional complications not just for those who work there but for those who who love and live with those who work there and um the very very hardline opinions that yeah. people have on the work that that you do you know um and and how those opinions become value judgments on who you are as a person and your self-worth and, and what you represent. And, uh, I don't know. I mean, it, it's, it's, I can't imagine doing something and, and feeling like, you know, my life was in jeopardy for, for doing it, uh, or, or, or doing something for a living that I believe 
was part of principle that others so firmly believed was not part of principle. And it's, it's such a, a dichotomy that's so polarizing. And, uh, I think the song does a really nice job of, uh, kind of playing on a lot of that. And the whimsical nature of the music just seems to complement that. Well, I thought it was, it was a nice contrast. Maybe that's a better mm. word instead of compliment. It's a nice contrast. Mm. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, I've deliberated on this, on this a lot, uh, with this song. It's, um, for a while I had literally no idea what someone's trying to get across. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like you said, it's not, it's not as vague as, uh, or coded as I like to say as Jeff, Jeff gets really out there. Um, but it, it's tough. And I, I've read all the theories about abortion. There are theories about climate change. Um, here's what I think this verse does. And I spent more time on this than, than most of our lyrics of the week, because I really wanted to try and figure this one out. I think it finishes what the first verse starts and that, and that's what gives the listener a warning by telling the tale of humanity as it keeps making mistake after mistake in the face of what mother nature has in store for it. And looking back on this song in late 2022, it feels so much like the story of COVID. And obviously this was written well before COVID. So like how wild is that? That it kind of does a great job of talking about what this might be. Um, you know, a doctor on his or her rounds is taking care of every kind of usual issue, but there are just so many of them. You know, COVID has made it so that, that they cannot properly treat all the different kinds of ailments, including what seems like a C-section here to a newborn who will eventually become a murderer. Uh, and I, I think Stone might be referring to um, another person who's slowly killing the earth um, as we all are with our carbon footprints, yada, yada, yada. Um, that's what I think he means by that. Um this is a warning. This is a warning that Mother Nature always wins. Um, we as humans uh, may not, um, but when we talk about saving our planet, well, what we really mean is no, we, we mean saving ourselves. Um, Bill Burr actually has a great uh, stand-up routine on this exact thing, um, so go check that out. But the Earth will be fine. It's made It made it through uh, ice ages and cataclysmic events Many times over, it's still around and will still be around after we are gone. So save the planet. No, we're talking about saving ourselves. Let's be honest about that for a second. Save the, saving the planet from being habitable for us. It's always about us, the hubris of man, right? This doctor in this story, I think, is realizing that no matter how hard he or she tries to help people, even in the face of Mother Nature, that this is all just very, very hard. It's, a, it's like a losing battle in a lot of senses. And it almost doesn't even matter what we as humans do to earth because ultimately it will win. Like what we need to focus on is to be good to ourselves and our neighbors and to prepare for it to not always be reciprocated. Good deeds don't always go thanked or appreciated. Accepting this is just part of the buckling up that Ed is singing about in my opinion. But nevertheless, we need to do our best by each other and in doing so, maybe that's the key to saving the planet slash ourselves. So I don't know if this is right, but I think this song, I think I like this song um, a lot more thinking this is what it's saying. Um, because before when I didn't know, I was just kind of like, okay, it's kind of this little jaunty, whimsical is a great word to use, 
uh, musical piece that Stones put together. I, I I found it very strange how one could sing the phrase "buckle up" as a chorus. It just sounds strange to me. Those words, <laughs> "buckle up," like it just it's just weird musically. But if this is what Stone is trying to say, then it's brilliant because wow, how to weave that that medical thing and like healing people, but like we're kind of doing it to ourselves and like this hubris. So it could be if that if I'm right really friggin' cool <laughs> by the way set up against the backdrop as you said of this whimsical music so it's kind of like that exactly that, that contrast of like wow this is actually kind of dark and like yeah. fluttering music around it like stone yeah uh, so, a- I, and I, eddie loves this song man he does stone is a crafty son of a bitch i'll tell you what well <laughs> there are only i think what six versions of this live yeah Okay, well, then let's get into it with our live cut of the week. Ready to stand up! So live cut, six versions spread across 21 through 22. Where are we going? Yeah, there. You know, there's two that really stood out to me out of these six. Uh, Nashville, and I think given the location and the subject matter of the song, that was a real standout for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a hard time imagining that didn't somehow play a role in the performance. But the the one to me that was the perfect perfect blend of what what made uh, so many so many of the cuts successful, I thought was the Frankfurt one. To me, I, I think that is the the version more so than Nashville, even more so than Quebec, that seems to have uh, all the right elements in order. That The swelling intro, to me, really, really creates the atmosphere for this song. I think that the guitars are amplified at just the right amount, and uh, Eddie's voice is just sublime over the top of the music. Uh, it's just a great performance, so I'm going to go Frankfurt. All right, June 28th, 2022, Frankfurt, Germany.
Yeah, you're right. The uh, the swelling intro from from on the piano from Boom is very very nice. Chef's kiss. Um, because it's in the middle of the set and directly after Jeremy, and of course the guys are fifty eight, fifty nine years old. Ed sounds very breathy, uh, and I think it might actually help the song's message and in, in, in the way he's delivering those words. So maybe coincidentally, uh, this was helped. Uh, to be the the best version in, in our opinion. So maybe, there you go. Maybe Frankfurt, Germany, from this this past June, June twenty eighth, two thousand twenty two. Yep. Let us know if you agree. Only six ep- six versions of this. So uh, you know, take forty minutes out of your day <laughs> and listen to it and tell us if we're right or wrong. There it is, guys. We somehow made it through. This is a shorty, I know, but um, you know, Paul's dying over there. Yeah. And I'm uh, holding on. <laughs> Everyone's so, like, just end it already. I'm tired God. of listening to this guy cough into the mic. This poor <laughs> bastard. Well, by the by, the grace of editing, we've we've managed to conceal many of those coughs for the dear listener. Wow. Um, but uh, thank you again to all of you who do spend your time, spend you know 45 minutes, an hour of your time listening to this show, and then going online and continuing the conversation wherever that might be. We appreciate that. Again, our patrons. We love you guys. Thank you very much. You help support this show. Uh, another one over the weekend came through. So thank you to that person. Indeed. And uh, continue feeding the algorithm because apparently they got to eat. Hey, it's <laughs> it's that time of the year, my friends. <laughs> Tis the season to feed the algorithm. I can't. I can't because I don't know where this is going every time you start in on it. So. <laughs> Uh, well, well, we'll see you next week. The Christmas trees will be up. The lights will be up. We'll be getting the swing of things. I will be a bit of a programming note. Um, we will take a week off between Christmas and uh, the start of the year. So that whatever that Tuesday is right after Christmas, I think it's the 27th. Yeah. No show. Uh, but the 20th? Yes, 20th. The 20th and the following January 3rd. That, that will be our, our holiday episode. We will we'll be back. So... A few more episodes to go over 2022. Again, we thank you very much. And until next week, you've been listening to The State of Love and Trust. <laughs>